So back in 1912, he started um, teaching adults how to be better public speakers, how to um, have better interpersonal skills, how to uh, basically influence people. How do you do venters? That was our guest, Steve Verberg, the president of Dell Carnegie of Orange County, referring to the Dell Carnegie. On today's episode, we will learn about sales, influence, and sequence. All of that we will learn from Steve Verberg. So please stay tuned. With Trent the Jet, they like agents on top of pavements, peppermint patty fragrance. Taking the credits when they spits and spritz a chip and dip a dip and dell. I pin the tail. Death throw the penalty ID, throwing your identity. Death crime in the night. Pick pop, keep the lock, stop, drop, roll the dice, double double dough, eat the rock road. Rochambeau, tic tac toe, crossing a roll with the nice flow. With my industry, you see me room, room, play Monopoly with my commodities. Stop the eyes and cross the T's. T's. How do you do, Venters? Welcome to this edition of Vent with Trent the Gent. And today I'm in the city of Santa Ana. I'm sitting with my friend Steve Verberg, who is the president of Dell Carnegie of Orange County. And so I want to welcome you, Steve, and thank you for giving me um, the, the, the pleasure of coming to your office and to, to be inspired, I'm sure, today. Thank you, Trent. So let's start in the very beginning. I always like to go back either with you as a kid, but today I want to hear about your parents. What did your parents do? What did my parents do? My mm -hmm. father was actually a firefighter. So he uh, was the chief of the Fullerton Fire Department. Um, passed away back in 2001. Uh, my mother, uh, raised the kids and was a basically an estimator for people that were looking to move. So gave estimates on how much it would cost for them to move. So in sales. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> is there anything that she instilled in you uh, just by being in that household that you saw that or made you go towards sales training? And is there anything in particular that you can remember? No. Uh, as a matter of fact... I told my wife for years and years, there's no way I will ever get into sales. I had a very negative impression, not from her per se, but just a negative impression of sales as a whole. And I think that's, you know, if you ask people who are not in sales, what do you think of, of you know, a salesman? They're going to give you that same, oh, the snake oil salesman, the used car salesman, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that negative perception kind of permeated with me um, until, of course, I had twins. And then my wife came to me and said, you need a job that really makes money. You better go into sales. Hmm. So that's when I, I made that leap. Yes. So would you recommend sales to the to the average person coming right out of college um, before we went on air here i shared with you right out of college i didn't go into journalism i went into sales um because as you just said you know with with sales sky's the limit as far as your income and i think once once again most people think about that portrayal of the used car salesman. In no way do they want to be associated with that. But as you just noted, it's actually the, the best way to really be in control of, of your destiny and income. Yeah, so for me, of course, actually as a, a sales trainer now, um, kind of came full circle. And, and now I'm looking at it from a totally different perspective, though. It's the people who are willing to serve, the people that really want to make a difference are the ones that should get into sales. And, you know, for a lot of the younger generation, that's what they're looking for. How can I make an impact? How can I make a difference? So if you believe in your product, you believe in what you're doing, um, you can be very successful in sales. Um, and if you can't get into sales, another job to start out 
uh, right off the bat for young people is retail. Um, and that's because so many kids today are missing the people skills, the customer service skills. You learn that in sales and you learn that in retail. And so if they can get into one of those fields as a first job, um, you know, they'll, they'll pick up some valuable life skills that will really help them succeed later down the road. Let's talk about, and obviously today we have to talk about Dale Carnegie, and I would assume that most of the listeners are familiar with that name and his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. However, I know there are some individuals, I talked to one this morning and telling them what I was about to do, and they're like, who's Dale Carnegie? So in a nutshell, right, not to be too long-winded, could you share with the listeners um, who Dale Carnegie is and how he has actually influenced you? Sure. So Dale Carnegie uh, wrote the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. He actually was the, the pioneer of what we call today emotional intelligence. So back in 1912, he started um, teaching adults how to be better public speakers, how to um, have better interpersonal skills, how to uh, basically influence people so that um, you weren't just getting uh, compliance, but you were getting genuine cooperation. And I think that's, that's the important thing today is um, with all of the technology we have, uh, people think that communication is easier when in fact communication is more difficult. People will hide behind their technology and say things that are abrasive or that they would never say to people in person. So the skills are, are more relevant today than ever um, to really build strong relationships, gain willing cooperation, and to be the type of person that people want to follow and or get to know. So when, when I, 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 and I read How to Win Friends and Influence People over and over, mm-hmm. and, and, and when I read it, you would think that a lot of it is common sense, you would think, um, right? Just the way to be genuine with people and the way that you, you, you handle people. So would a person that's considered not a people person, would that be a good person to come and take a course here with the organization? Or do you need certain type of people skills inherently to maybe just to enhance those? Or so how difficult is it working with someone that would consider themselves not a people person? Sure. Um, Well, to get back to your first point, they are common sense, but they're not common practice. Mm -hmm. In today's world, um, the common practice of good interpersonal skills can be used by everybody. You know, there's um, there's books out today like Marshall Goldsmith's How to Win Friends and Inf- I'm sorry, uh, What Got You Here Won't Get You There that's specifically for C-level executives that says, uh, you know, basically the higher you go up on the ladder, the more magnified your people skills are. So we get people from all ranges of the spectrum, from um, C-level executives to people that are, are uh, you know, frontline workers in manufacturing, because across the board, people skills are necessary. We get people, which we call the Statue of Liberty syndrome, you know, fix this guy or I have to fire him. You know, send me your weak, you're tired and you're, you're unfriendly. Uh, but we also get the opposite side of the spectrum, people that have are brilliant, that make friends easily, and are just looking to really polish their executive image and really be the, you know, the guy that people look at as, wow, that's what I'd like to be when I grow up. Uh, I had this quote here, and I don't know why we're talking about common sense. So I'm going to read it. It's Einstein said, common sense is nothing more than a deposit of prejudices 
laid down in the mine before you reach 18. I'm trying to wrap my head around that, does, does that mean anything to you? Well, it basically, you know, when you think about a prejudice, it would be something that a viewpoint that you have versus the world, right? So from Einstein's point of view, he's saying, if you don't have a, a viewpoint of what's right and wrong, then you don't have common sense. Hmm. So uh, we learn from our parents. We learn from our, our life uh, mistakes, from our, the interactions we have with friends. We learn what we perceive as right and wrong, and that's what our common sense is. And as you know, not, everybody, not everybody's common sense is at the same level. So uh, yeah, that that's how I would perceive that quote. Yeah, thanks for clearing that up. It makes sense. Uh, you referred to Marshall Goldsmith uh -huh. just a few seconds ago, and we were talking about individuals that have been trying to get on the podcast. Actually, I was in communications with him, and it just fell through. Uh, are you friends friends with Marshall Goldsmith? Or I, I have met him. Mm -hmm. um, I have an autographed book up in my uh, in my office from him, and he's. He has spoken actually at our uh, conventions. Nice. So, uh, great guy. Um, he's, if you've ever read any of his books, he's very similar, a very similar style to, to Dale Carnegie as far as he writes in that story format where he's giving you the evidence, the evidence, the evidence, and then therefore this is what we should do. Mm-hmm. Right, well, I will stay persistent as any <laughs> good salesperson would, and I will persevere until I get him on Vent with Trent the Gent. There you go. Now, when Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, in, in the very beginning, mm -hmm. back in 1912, was the, the year right? When he started oh. facilitating 1912, the yes. book did, didn't come out until 1936. Okay. So I guess maybe then, once the book came out, it was a textbook for the courses, the trainings that he was giving, correct? Yeah, so the way that he wrote it, he actually wrote several uh, small, basically, booklets. And the editor actually convinced him to put it into one book. So, yeah, but it was to support his classroom teaching because at the time there was nothing about self-help there was nothing about emotional intelligence there was nothing remotely close to what he was trying to teach individuals in his classes mm -hmm. so in your courses mm -hmm. do you how often do you utilize the book is it a textbook is it still relative to what you're teaching today in 2017 Sure. So uh, all of our courses are based on the 30 human relations principles within the Dale Carnegie How to Win Friends and Influence People book. Uh, we do give that book out for several of our core programs. The Dale Carnegie course itself, which is the flagship program that we've been teaching since 1912. Um, the leadership training for managers and the... Um, actually the sales programs that we have winning with relationship selling are all programs that uh, that book is handed out and or very relevant to yeah so sticking with the influencing people and winning friends yes and as you know in 2017 with all of social media outlets and people having friends how how difficult is it to convey to someone you know what a real friendship is that leads to you know building relationships for business is it is it really that easy to build that type of relationship online that's going to garner referral business relationships or would you still say really belly to belly is the way to, to do this and to really be more effective? Well, I, I obviously have my own personal prejudices mm -hmm. going back to, uh, to Einstein's theory. Um, I personally think that it's always better eye to eye, shake somebody's hand and, and meet them with a face to a name. 
that being said, I have a lot of friends that have met their soulmates online. Uh, a lot of uh, organizations that I work with have uh, remote uh, teams, so everybody's virtual, uh, so they don't get to see each other. They build strong relationships remotely. Um, eventually, at some point, they usually get to meet, right? Especially if they're getting married, they're, they're going to meet, but... Uh, you know, the virtual teams I've seen very successful, it all comes down to how do we build trust? How do we get to know one, one another? So you still have to use a lot of the same principles, whether you're in a virtual relationship or, you know, a face-to-face -face relationship. Mm. I remember reading in Dale Carnegie's book that he said the only way on earth to influence other people is to talk about what they want and show them how to get it. Mm -hmm. Now, in sales, obviously sales is a lot about doing just that. Now, so what you say still today is in granting that you believe what he said and wrote yeah. the book, is that still the only way today to really influence people, right? If it's sales-wise or even sometimes you have to influence someone to, to marry you, right? Yeah, well, it's the it's what we call the why with the what. You you have they have to know why it's going to benefit them. You know the the one thing I like to say is you know if you think about the most listened to radio station in the world, that's the WIIFM. What's in it for me? Right. Mm -hmm. As long as they know what's in it for them, typically they're going to want to do it. So from a sales perspective. People like to buy, but they don't like to be sold. So if you're giving them something they want to buy, whether it's you as an individual to marry or it's a product or service that you have, they're going to want to buy it because it's not the product. It's what the product or service does for them that they're buying. Mm -hmm. So with all that said, in... Obviously, we have to be. We have to probably learn how to be that influential. What's are, what are some of the qualities, the top qualities that a salesperson would need out there in, in, in the sales force? So, from my perspective, um, typically the top salespeople have a genuine interest in helping other people. They have a genuine interest in learning. They're very coachable. In other words, they're not going to tell you, well, this is the way I've done it in the past. This is the way I've done it in the past. They always want to learn uh, new ways of doing things. Typically, people who are uh, a little more um, flexible, can think on their feet, uh, can really walk into a, a situation, absorb the information that's coming at them from the, the customer or the prospect, and then relay the benefits to that customer or prospect in a way that makes sense to them. So those are kind of some of the fundamental aspects I think are necessary to be successful in sales. And obviously a thick skin because you can't, uh, can't be afraid of rejection because even though you know that it's the best product or service for this person and it will help them accomplish exactly what they want, they don't always see that and they don't always move forward with it so you have to be um, resilient as mm -hmm. well is there a course on resiliency <laughs> is there <laughs> is it like teaching them you got to get nine no's to get to the 10th person that's going to say yes yeah yeah well obviously you being in sales as well you know that um you can tell somebody over and over but they have to they have to uh, internalize it. So, um, yes, we do tell them that in sales courses that you can increase your hit ratio. You can increase your odds by using some fundamental concepts and processes. But ultimately, I don't care who you are, you're going to get no's. Mm -hmm. And that determines the people that really should be in sales versus the people that shouldn't be in sales. Because if you can't handle rejection, don't go into sales. Yes, I would agree. 
what do you do? And maybe, maybe you actually agree with individuals that do the hard closes at the end of a sale. So I, I'm not sure what you guys teach here. So I'm, I'm assuming that that's not a great way to influence people to do the canned <laughs> hard closes at the end of a sale. So if you get that type of person, how do you reel them in? If that's okay, like I said, I could be wrong. Maybe that hard close is, is the way to still sell today. Um, but if it's not, you know, what, what are some of the new ways to actually at the end of the sale to, to ask for the sale? Sure. Um, well, I think the name of our sales course kind of answers that. Uh, the name of the course is Winning with Relationship Selling. If you're hard closing people, you're not building, building relationships. You're getting, you know, the one and dones. They might buy from you that one time, but they're not going to probably come back and buy from you the next time. So the way that I basically uh, facilitate the programs is that if you do all the right steps throughout the process, the natural next step is to sign the contract, to say yes, right? But you have to do all the right steps in the process. That, that goes from back to the very beginning where you're building rapport with the customer. Then you're asking the right questions to gain interest in what they potentially want to buy. Then you're taking the information they give you and putting it into a solution that makes sense to them. It can be the same solution that you give every single person. It's the way you word the solution that will make sense or not make sense. Then you've got to, of course, handle objections that they have in a way that doesn't offend them, but actually moves the sale forward. Then you get to the motive and commitment part. And the motive and commitment is that people will buy on emotion and justify with logic. So how are you appealing to their emotional need for this product or service? And then asking for the sale at the end is, is really a very minor point because that's the next step mm-hmm. in the process. Yeah. So that individual that is just used to the hard close, how, how do you get them away from that technique? How, how do you get them to change their paradigm? Well, at Dale Carnegie, we say practice makes permanent. So whatever you're practicing, that's your permanent habit, right? And you know it takes 7, 14 times to develop a habit. So a lot of our programs are time-spaced where they're coming once a week. They're with us for three and a half hours over a couple of months. So we're trying to develop new habits, break old habits. Um, ultimately, the person has to be willing and want to learn. But nowhere in our programs do we teach a hard close. So um, over the course of two months, typically they're learning, oh, there's a better way to do it, right? So when you think about performance change of a salesperson, the very first thing is to tell them the behavior that needs to be changed. In this case, might be hard closing versus, you know, using a sales process. But just having a behavior change doesn't equal performance change. There has to be the emotional change attached to it. So the behavior change plus the emotional change equals performance change. The emotional change comes when they see and they buy into the fact that I can be more successful in my sales career. I can, uh, you know, get better relationships with my customers. I can make more commission, you know, having a steady stream than getting that one and done. Because we all see the flash in the pan salespeople that are successful getting one big thing. They're successful for one month and then they can't repeat that. And a lot of times that's because they hard closed or they or they did something to get the big sale and then they can't ever get that yeah. repeat business. Yeah, it's, it's so strange. And obviously I'm not going to mention names, but there's an individual that I know and he's that one and done and he'll he'll call. I mean, he's persistent as a bulldog. He'll he'll call that client or potential client, you know, probably once a week. And then finally, he's so annoying, they say, come and see me. 
they'll purchase the product or service at one time and then it actually that's why they make the purchase hoping that okay he'll leave me alone now and he does just that rather than trying to have repeat business with them and to build that relationship he goes on to the next person and he's just dials and dials he he has a driver and he's pounding cars calls in the back of that car so it's weird to me that he wouldn't figure out wait a minute i'm pretty effective at actually getting these appointments because i'm so persistent now that i have these clients let me serve them so i can maintain them and so it's it's, it's the weirdest thing for me so i thought i would share that with you you guys still do give um, public speaking courses as well? We do. Uh, we have a few courses. We have high impact presentations, which is more of an executive presence type um, program. We get sales individuals and, and C-level, director level people into that program. It's like a boot camp. You go for two days. You're coached on how to design your presentations, how to deliver your presentations, and then you actually see yourself on video from the customer's point of view or the audience's point of view. We also have things for people who are novice uh, presenters who want to get into it, like uh, how to overcome the fear and horror of public speaking, you know, which really gets builds them in confidence. Well, they say that... It's probably hyperbole that most people would rather die than to public speak, right? And so it's... It's actually true. The Book of Lists years ago did a, a study and the fear of public speaking came out higher as a, a fear than the fear of death. In other words, people would rather be in the coffin than saying the eulogy is the way that Jerry Seinfeld related that, uh, that particular one. Wow. That's amazing. So over the years, seeing some of these, maybe the the novice ones, or I'm sure you probably have some of these individuals that are very polished in their presentation, but they just didn't have the confidence to get up and speak in front of the room. What's the, so I think about, Excuse me. I think about the Brady Bunch episode when you know get behind the podium and vision visualize everybody in their underwear. <laughs> Are there any? Well, what suggestions do you give somebody right off the back that will ease their their fear, so to speak, when they're going to speak? Well, I think the biggest challenge is people think when they step in front of a room, they have to get into presenter mode instead of just being themselves. So the thing that we we coach people in in most is that being a great presenter is being a great conversationalist. Just have a conversation with the audience like you would with your friends. You know, envision that these are your the people that you hang out with on a regular basis. It's not that we need to get into presenter mode, it's that we actually need to get out of our heads and realize that I just need to be myself. The other thing that I tell people is it's natural to have butterflies. Butterflies are there to help you, not to hinder you. So can you get them flying in formation or are they all over the place? Mm -hmm. So we help them get the butterflies into formation so that nervous energy becomes a tool that they can utilize to be more dynamic on stage. That's good advice. Do you guys ever bring your clients together, or maybe you might even just have, do you have a mastermind group? So let's start with you. Um, You know, just talking about self-help, self-improvement, that's always recommended to have a group of individuals that you can mastermind with. So number one, do you have one? And if so, if you could share some of the people that might be in your group or the types of individuals in your group and what you've gleaned from them over the years, and then number two, do you try to connect your clients so they can form some type of mastermind group? Uh, so we actually do have a, a online um, group where graduates from our programs can share network, um, bounce ideas off of each other. So for those people that have taken Dale Carnegie programs, 
for me myself, I'm part of uh, some boards um, where I meet individuals that basically are trusted colleagues. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, the CFO Leadership Board here in Orange County, or CFO Leadership Council, I should say, I'm, I sit on their board, their advisory board, and um, you know I have other individuals uh, that I've met throughout the years. One is a um, CEO of his own company. His name is, is Brett Potts. Uh, you know those people, those types of people, uh, I can connect with. Uh, we can share ideas, bounce each other off. As far as a formal mastermind group, no. I, I don't have a formal one. It's more the boards that I sit on and the individuals that I've met throughout the years that I've connected with. Yeah, but you wouldn't say they're overrated. You would just say you just right oh, now. Oh, not overrated at all. I think anytime you can get with a group that you can glean new information from, um, that you can share your uh, concerns, get ideas from. Uh, I think that's great. So mastermind groups, I think uh, those are, are very beneficial. I just don't happen to belong to one at this time. Yeah. So besides reading, I would assume that you do a lot, a lot of reading yes. um, in your line of business. <laughs> you know, what medium, if it's TV, if it's podcasts, um, performing arts, what, what have you learned? Which medium have you learned the most from? Besides yeah. books? Yes. Um, I enjoy actually reading short articles on, um, on LinkedIn. Those can be blogs. Those can be business articles. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a fairly good uh, network that puts up some very interesting um, topics and subjects. Uh, not always in my direct field, but you know, usually you can relate to them uh, in some way. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say the biggest medium for me is, you know, the blogs and articles that I see online. Yeah. Let's get back to just being genuine and a great person. What do you think, I, I guess there's advice out there. So what do you think about the advice? Be the person that your dog and kids think you are. <laughs> yeah. What do I think about that? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's that's great advice. I mean, when you think about how your dog and kids react when they see you come through the door, that's unconditional love, right? They, they think you're the best person in the world. And if we authentically are the best people that we can be in every aspect of our lives, I think that can only help you. It's never going to hinder you. The problem is, is a lot of people act very differently at work than they do at home when they see their kids and their dogs. So we have to have to make an effort to be that authentic version, that that best version of ourselves that we can possibly be. Yeah. Have you um, read the the Alchemist? I have not. I haven't read the Alchemist. So one of the, the points of that is, is when you want something, all the universe will conspire to help you get it. What do you feel the universe has helped to conspire you get or to attain? To attain? Or, or achieve? Well, I, I, I will tell you that I am a true believer that whatever you want and work for, you can achieve. I came from a... a very poor family when I was little. My my mother, you know, made our clothes out of old curtains type family. Um, you know, parents were separated, uh, you know, couldn't do a lot of the things that our friends were doing because of that. But not letting that stand in the way of what you want to accomplish, uh, I think is important. So for me, just wanting to from my, from my standpoint, be the best father I can be uh, to my children. I have five boys. So uh, just going out every day with the, the values of providing for my family and doing the best I can possibly do have helped me get to where I am today. You know, uh, 
to work my way up from, you know, my first job as a as a gas station attendant to now the president of an organization. It's not that it was given to me, it's that I worked hard for it. So I think that when you set your mind to something, as you say, the the universe will will help you attain it. A lot of that is what I like to say is, you know, work as though everything counts on what you do and pray as though everything counts on uh, what God's going to give you. Mm-hmm. So whether you think it's, it's God or the universe, uh, you know, understanding that part of that is the effort that you make in life. Let's do, there's, there's a few regular segments that we always do on Vent with Trent the Gent. So let's get a, a few of those in at least. Okay. So one is called Dent with Trent the Gent. Sometimes I'll do Invent with Trent the Gent. And during Lent, I'll do Lent with Trent the Gent. Which you get with. <laughs> so all types of things. So today is Dent go. with Trent the Gent. Okay. So as you um, probably know, Steve Jobs has always said he wants to make a dent in the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so besides your work here, I mean, I know this is, you know, work and it can definitely make a dent in the universe sure. what you're doing here with Dale Carnegie. Um, but besides here, how do you plan on making a dent in the universe? Yeah. So for me, I think one of the most important things is to be a good father. Uh, if you raise your children the right way, you're basically uh, expanding your impact on, on the universe, as you say. Um, because now it's not just what I do, but I'm putting forth uh, children with the same types of values, the same type of worth, work ethics. Um, and so it's magnified. Everything I do now is, like I, I've told you before, I have five boys, so now it's times five, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a, a big thing that's missing in today's world is that parents are either so focused on their own success that they're not paying attention to their their family or they're not paying to their attention to their family at all because they're not even at home right a lot of single parents out there whether it's male or female mm-hmm. trying to raise kids on their own so from me from my standpoint i think that's the biggest way to make a dent is to pay attention to your home mm-hmm. you know to the family and really raise them the right way is there any way to get right that family unit as you said today is just it's it's so easy because if it's over 50 percent of the population is getting divorced mm-hmm. it almost seems like that's the norm any suggestions any thoughts on how do we get back to right those great family values because if we every single person thinks the way that you think then there's going to be a lot of dents in the universe and this is going to be a, a better universe right. right? because of we all are now thinking this is not the way to live. Why are we breaking up our families here? Any thoughts on that? Well, I have lots of thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will tell you that, um, first of all, the, the divorce rate, I think, is because it's so easy these days, right? We live in a, a throwaway society. When something's broke, you throw it away, you go buy a new one. And I think a lot of people view their relationships in the same way. You know, It's broke, I'm going to throw it away, go get a new wife, go get a new husband, instead of, hey, let's work to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, that's one of the biggest challenges is just getting past that, I'll just go get a new one mindset and thinking, you know, taking your vows seriously, saying... This is a lifelong commitment. What do I do to fix it? Because we're going through a rough patch right now. Um, As far as the kids go, uh, you have to be the example, right? In in my house, I have a rule. The rule is no toys at the table, right? That goes for cell phones. For the parents, you you shouldn't have your, your cell phones at the table. You should be taking time to actually talk to your kids, to listen to what they have to say, to being involved in their lives. Um, And we started that early on because my kids wanted their toys at the table, you know, when we're having dinner, but then they're always distracted. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, 
fascinating to me because now even when we go out as a family to a restaurant and you look around and you look at another table, you'll see everybody with their heads down playing with their cell phones instead of having conversations with each other at the table. Yeah. Even so, the parents. Yeah, even parents the parents. <laughs> parents are oftentimes the worst because they're, you know, they're so distracted um, by their jobs. You know, used to be when you left your job, you were then home with your family. Now your job follows you, right? Used to be what we call work-life balance. Now it's work-life integration. How do I integrate the two because I'm always at work? So, uh, yeah, it's, it's just prioritizing what's important to you in your life and making sure that that when it's broke, when the family needs more of your effort, that you are willing to put that effort in instead of just move on and find a new one. So happy Tuesday to you, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Tuesdays are the most productive day of the week, yes. so they say. Think closely about it by Wednesday. So for all of you professionals out there, if you have something important to get done, right, aim to get done, get it done on Tuesday. So with that said, did you wake up this morning determined to seize the day? And if so, what are you determined to get out of today? So I think every day that I wake up, I'm determined to seize the day. And when I say that, it's from the aspect of, again, doing the best possible job that I can do. And that goes back to being the best possible person that you can be. Um, I use, you know, priority lists as far as what's going to, to dictate where my time is spent during the day. But I also want to look at, you know, what's in alignment with my values. So when you say seize the day, I think of, okay, everything I need to get done, but also what is going to help me be a better person at the end of the day? Yeah. Let's get to another regular segment. Always, this, one, this one's always interesting. Okay. So are you left-handed or right-handed? Right-handed. Most of my... <laughs> I have to say this every time. Most of the people that I've interviewed so far have been right-handed. Okay. Are you left brain or right brain? That's a good question. I have never sat down to, to think about that answer. So would you say you're more creative, you're more analytical, or somewhere in the middle? I'm going to say that I'm in the, the middle because I'm very analytical when it comes to making business decisions, but I also love to think outside of the box. I have some colleagues I, I mentioned to you before that you know, our trusted advisors in my life. And some of them, we just call each other when we have a new idea and we want to start uh, green light thinking, bouncing ideas off each other. And uh, so I like to do both. Uh -huh. um, not probably drawn to one over the other. Yeah. I, I've been told at some by some people that, um, you know, I analyze things too much. You know, I'm thinking of what could go wrong and what could go well more than just jumping in and doing it and then other people think you know I'm crazy because I'm always trying new things so <laughs> <laughs> and so to give you the, the other end of it most most of them have been right-handed most yeah. of my guests and most of them feel like they're somewhere in the middle too okay. so it's really interesting because it's always oh I'm right brain Oh, I'm left brain, and they're so adamant at one or the other, but I'm finding in this little small sample size that most people right, consider themselves somewhere right in the middle. So it's, I think it's interesting. To be, yeah, to be successful in life, you have to be able to utilize both sides of your brain, right? I know a lot of brilliant, brilliant people uh, that don't have a lot of common sense. They can only use one side of their brain, and, and I think... If you fall too far to one side or the other, that can hinder your chances for success. Yeah. Another regular segment, it's um, the fill in the blank segment. So, <laughs> <laughs> so 
So right. people usually laugh or they get really scared right now. And, and this is the easy part. So just fill in the blank. Don't stop blank. Loving. Don't stop loving. And of course you get to expound on that. I, I think uh, I've mentioned it was, you know, the family to me is very important, making sure that you're taking care of those people that you love and that mean a lot to you. And that gets back to the whole, if you want to make dent in the universe, right, you better be taking care of the people that, that are in your own house. Love on them. Yeah. Now, what about if we rock that that answer to you're training your clients to love their clients. Mm-hmm. You know, what are some of the ways to, to love on some of these clients? Is it writing personal handwritten notes? Is it dropping by and just saying hi, saying how you... How... It, it goes to being genuinely interested in them. I mean, you know, when I... I've had every sales job you can think of from, you know, making 100 cold calls a day you know, getting people to slam down the phone on you and tell you never to call them again to being an outside salesperson. The one thing that helped me succeed in all of it was to be genuinely interested in them. So when you talk about loving them, it's taking an interest in them. Who are they? What are they going through? You know, I used to put notes in my my, uh, database, you know, when somebody would go on a family trip or to a family reunion or when their birthday was so that Hey, I can I can take the time to say, hey, happy birthday, or how was that family reunion? When they see that you're genuinely interested, when they see that you care about who they are as a person, that's when you're going to be successful in sales because that's when people say, I like this guy. People like to do business with people they like and trust. Mm-hmm. In this world today, there's too many people that are just trying to sell versus trying to build that strong relationship. And in a digital world like we live in, people do a lot of their uh, their purchasing before they ever get to a salesperson, right? They're doing the investigation on what options are out there, what the price points are. So by the time they actually talk to a salesperson, 90% of the sales been made. Now it comes down to I do I like you do I want to do business with you do I trust you so as a salesperson if you're not genuinely interested in other people as you say if you're not loving on them they're probably not going to be loving on you either exactly so you you've sold quite a bit of things your words have you ever sold, and I, I've got off of the fill in the blank, but I'll, I'll come back to it. Okay. Have you ever sold a, a bad product that garnered you lots of money, but you knew the product was bad? And if so, you know, did you, did you feel bad about that? Or would you always say, no, I rather I would rather sell a product that I know is quality, but it's just tough to sell and I just have to deal with that. So, so I, I'm a firm believer that you cannot be successful in selling what you do not believe in. So I have not sold products that I do not believe in. Um, I've had some very short uh, stints at companies, about three months. And I've had very long stints at companies, uh, you know, about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've sold software, hardware, services, um, and I, all of those cases, I would say, well, not all of them, 90% of those cases, I've truly believed in what I was selling. And in the one case that, that uh, I did not, it was a very short stint, yeah. only about three months. Yeah, probably couldn't live with yourself. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't so much I couldn't live with myself, but I didn't believe in it. So how can I ask other people to believe in it? Exactly. Right? They can can sense that too, probably when you're sitting there. Uh, Back to the fill in the blank. So you can blank. You can succeed. You can succeed. How? Well, uh, I think it goes back to the, you know, your words, 
the universe will help you get what you want, right? I don't think, um, you know, your socioeconomic state determines where you're going to go in this life. I don't think your, you know, your race, your gender, uh, your personal beliefs as far as religion determine where you're going to go in this life has to do with, with your work ethic. What do you want to do? What do you want to get out of it? Um, I've seen some very successful people in um, all types of businesses. That's one of the things I love about Dale Carnegie is we work across all industries, all levels within, within each business, all size organizations. So I get to see people succeed all the time. And inevitably, when you talk to them, it's that they put in the effort to get to where they are. It has nothing to do with how they started out. Mm-hmm. So I have another Del Carnegie quote. Okay. And he said, our trouble is not ignorance, but in action. So to your point, yeah, they, they can succeed if they put in the effort. Yes. But how do you get someone to act upon if they don't have that that mindset and that could be even a client that you might have that might come to you and they're telling you they want to succeed and they want to be more successful and they want this and that but you're saying do these things and they're just not doing the activities how do you inspire them to to do that yeah i mean have you ever watched national geographics before yeah time to time not a lot yeah you know what happens when the animal at the front of the herd changes direction? Mm-hmm. They all change. They all change direction. Mm-hmm. That's what we call the herd mentality, right? They see that front animal turn, so they all turn. Do you know why they turn? Because they don't want to be left out on the prairie alone to get eaten by a lion. So a lot of these people that that don't have, <coughs> excuse me that don't have the I guess the self-initiative to do it on their own they learn by watching other people succeed and saying I want what they have right so if you give them the the methodologies the techniques the tools to okay if this is what you want this is what you have to do inevitably it's up to them to have the attitude of I want it enough to actually make the change in their habits. Yes, because that's, so that's kind of where I'm getting at. It, they have to have sort of that, that temperament, that spirit already. But so going back to socioeconomic, if they don't have access to those successful people to see it, mm-hmm. then beyond them just innately wanting more, so let's say that person just doesn't have that and then they don't have access to, to seeing it. How how can they, you know, how do they even get to in that direction, moving in that direction to succeed? Yeah, I'm not trying to throw a loop in it, but, no. I, but I, you know, so I guess what I'm saying, I think sometimes if you don't see it, how can you be it? Right. right? I like the quote, if you don't see it, how can you be it? <laughs> Uh, I'll say this, in in this world, this day and age where um, technology shows you everything you can ever want, right? It would be hard for a person not to see successful people. Um, Typically, we see what we want to see. If I want to look for people that are unsuccessful, I'm going to find them. Uh, If I have... You know, if I if I'm a drug user, I'm going to find other drug users. If I'm a successful person, I'm going to find other successful people. It's that whole theory you talked about. The universe will give you what you want. Right. So if I'm and and again, I told you I came from a very poor Mm -hmm. family. Right. Um, That's why I think you can speak on. Right. 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 Um, It wasn't that I I said to myself, oh, I'm. You know, my parents are divorced. Uh, you know, I don't have enough money to, to go to college. I worked my way through college. I didn't get to go to a four-year university like a lot of people I knew. Um, it was that I had that, that determination 
that we talked about to say, I want to succeed. I see other people succeeding. I can do that. You also have to have a belief in yourself, I think. And that that can be instilled by your parents, but that can also be just a fire that burns in, in you to say, I want it. And you see a lot of very successful people today talking about their backgrounds, coming from broken families, coming from poor areas. I think there's a a movie coming out right now that kind of magnifies it, that Mully movie. I don't know if you've heard about that. I haven't, actually. A guy who was uh, basically abandoned, orphaned, grew up uh, poor, uh, I think it, it it's based in in India. If I'm I'm not 100, percent but I think it's based in India. So he ended up going out, becoming a millionaire, going back and adopting thousands of kids, picking them up, you know, out of the garbage heap, carrying them home and and making them his own kids. So from that respect, um, I don't think it matters what your background is, you can be whatever you want to be. Yeah. Good. Thank you. The last fill in the blank. Conversations are blank. Conversations are tough. (laughs) 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 And I'm not just talking about this conversation with you. No. Conversations these days are are tough for a lot of people. Um, As I mentioned in the very beginning, uh, you know, people hide behind technology these days. They blast off, uh, you know, texts or uh, emails saying things that are perceived either differently from the person that they're sending them to because it's a one-way communication or they perceive them as intended and the person would have never said that if they were face-to-face. So Mm -hmm. I think people are having a harder time with those honest conversations Um, they're having a harder time being a nice person (laughs) yes because of that technology so i think conversations are tough for a lot of people these days yeah but necessary always necessary um you know people are what make this world go around right so we can't be successful in sales. We can't be successful in leadership. We can't be successful in life if we live in a bubble by ourselves. We have to actually get out there and talk to people. Yeah. Let's end with, with this one. And might be a weird question, but I'm, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> <laughs> What's your foundation? My foundation? Um if I had to answer that uh, with no other explanation, I'm going to say um, I'm a, a family man uh, with a belief in God. Uh, and though that foundation allows me to basically look at any activity or, or opportunity and say, does this fall in, in place with my values? Uh, does this help me to be a better person? And does this have any impact on the world? Um, and if I can't say yes to all those, then why am I doing it? Great. So we always give our guests an opportunity to share the social media platforms, websites, email, want to give out your cell phone, whatever you want to do. Um, now's the time to do it. And so the best way for the listeners to get in contact with you. Okay. Um, so our, our local office here for Dale Carnegie is OC for Orange County, oc.dalecarnegie.com. Uh, dalecarnegie.com is our, our corporate website. Um, that's the best way to, to see what's going on in our local office. Me personally, for those that that want to reach out and contact me, I am on LinkedIn. Uh, And you can also send me an email, and that would just be my first name, Steve.Verberg, which is my last name, V as in Victor, E-R, B as in boy, U-R-G, at DaleCarnegie.com. And LinkedIn is just 
Steve Verberg. Steve Verberg, yeah, and you'll yeah. you'll see me pop up. There's not a lot of Steve Verbergs around. So. Oh, there you go. Instagram, anything like that? Um, Twitter. I, I personally <laughs> am not on Instagram or Twitter. We do have a, a corporate. Uh, our office is uh, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, but the best ways to get a hold of me would be either uh, by LinkedIn or email. Sounds good. Well, Steve. I want to thank you. We are approaching about an hour of conversation, of great conversation. And obviously, just by listening to you today, the listeners are going to know that, you know, you just shared with us your personal way of how you're going to make a dent in the universe. But with the work, the great work that you're doing here at Dell Carnegie, um, affecting all the successful business people within Orange County, and I'm sure they probably come from other counties to, 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 to learn from you and your other professionals here. We want to thank you for being a part of that and for making that dent, and hopefully we'll talk down the line. Thank you, Trent. Uh, thank you. Venters, seize the day, just as Steve does. You can begin by blessing someone by forwarding this podcast to someone you love. They will appreciate you loving on them.